0: And welcome to another episode of Retro Encounter. I'm Caitlin Ardros, your temporary host for this particular episode. Uh, Josh is not feeling well and was not able to join us, but he wanted the show to go on because the show must go on as the saying goes. So we are here. We are soldiering on. I am joined uh, again by Alana Hagues. Hello. And Robert Fenner. Hello. So, we're all here, we have now, we've now finished, we've beaten Xenogears, and I guess um, a good topic to start on is just what are our overall thoughts of the game now that we've beaten it? Well,
1: <laughs> There's quite a lot to start with. I mean, I really kind of fallen in love with this game very quickly, and... My mood didn't really change towards the end. Um, It seemed to get better towards the end for me. The build-up was so good, I think, going into the second disc. So the end of the first disc, especially, was fantastic. But, I mean, I really like the ending as well. I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. But, um, yeah, just overall, like, fantastic.
0: And I want more. (laughs) <laughs> really like I yeah just think there there was planning for for more there were this is it only episode five of a six episode series
2: it's hubris <laughs> unbridled
0: yeah I had to um, pour I
1: poured myself all, like all over the perfect works guide I just had to sort of know everything but I just could do with more
0: it's yeah and I mean, special for you because this is your first time playing the game, right? Yeah, that's
1: true. Um, not my first Xeno game, but my first of the Gears, and left with a really, really good feeling. So, yeah. Excited to talk about it, especially with all the stuff that's happened because the second half of the game is just pure drama, almost.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff. I'm almost, this is going to kind of be controversial, but I'm almost kind of glad that it's a condensed sort of uh, more, more focused on the actual story instead of gameplay and dungeons and stuff because there's so many crazy things that happen towards the end of the game that to have that all be gameplay would just be too much, I think.
2: I agree completely.
0: Yeah, there's a
1: lot to process and... I think all the dungeons in disc two kind of did my head in a little bit,
0: <laughs> but yeah, I totally agree. Robert, what was your experience like?
2: Uh, the b- plot was even better than I remembered it being. Um, I enjoyed playing through the story again um, unequivocally, but uh, the game's mechanics started to wear on me um, from about uh, just before the second disc onwards. Um, Xeno Xenogears is kind of a technical mess and it's not helped by um, the fact that it tries to get you to contend with um, puzzles and platforming while dealing with a very high encounter rate at the same time. Mm. Um, And I found myself being quite worn down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I got, I started... uh... Getting pissed off with the second anima dungeon. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. That
1: puzzle is so glitchy. I had to go in and out of the first room, where before you even go in, there's that little cave where you have to push the boulder. Mm-hmm. I had to redo that room five times just to get the stones to fall out. And I thought, I'm doing this right. And I. Re- I think I watched about four YouTube videos
0: for it and was like, <laughs>
1: This is one room in a dungeon I can't do and I was just getting so frustrated.
0: I don't know how you'd I mean, I, I guess I figured it out when I first played it because I don't think uh I don't think I was using like game facts back then. But it's kind of hard to imagine how you can figure out that puzzle without looking at a guide or watching a video, finding the invisible thread that you have to examine to get the first boulder to fall and then knowing oh. where to jump in the air oh. to get the, the third. I mean, like, come on, really? Yeah. So I ran into problems with the, the whole, um, boss, uh, uh, fights, interrupting your jump. Right at the worst possible moment. I, I think I fell in that first chamber like five times. Yeah. So. Oh, God, yeah.
2: I mean, it's it's the cardinal sin that this game commits. You know, puzzles or battles, not both. Mm-hmm. And definitely never battles at that encounter rate.
0: Yeah. It seems no. to
2: really leap up uh, from the Tower of Babel onwards.
0: And those griffin enemies. Yeah. Ah. Oh, I hate them. They're the worst enemies. They are super powered. I yeah. had Ellie with me and she lost like almost all of her health in one fight
2: because Sheesh. they kept oh.
0: pounding on her. Yeah. Yeah, I um I mean, this is my my favorite my favorite RPG of all time, and it's still oh. pretty much my favorite RPG of all Aww. time. Um every super epic cutscene that would happen, I'd be like, Oh yes, this is it. This is this is what I remembered, and this is why, despite all of its uh, eccentricities and and the age of the game; it still does such a good job with the dramatic cutscenes.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. So now that we've um, we played through the game, we we know sort of or we think we know everything about the story and the characters. What do we think about the characters and their, their hidden identities or the, the truths behind behind them, especially characters like Cyton uh, and Faye and Ellie and Krellian. Yeah, the villains,
1: like Krellian. Actually, all of them. So Krellian, they're all really sad. So they have all the secrets that they have are all quite sad. So I think, I'm thinking of Ramses mostly. Mm -hmm. Um, Poor Ramses, who's destined, who was destined to be the contact, but because Faye, because Karen turned up um, as Miang and was like, oh, my son is the contact. Please take him. And Ramses was basically just cast aside. And the poor guy's just got this kind of inferiority complex where he has to be better than Faye. And, the minute that Faye beats him, he's just just so driven by rage, and and I feel really bad for him, and I feel really bad for all the villains because they're all just characters who've tried to make a difference or tried to do something, and then failed, and because they failed, they feel like there's another extreme. So with Krellian, with um, the the Shvat Solaris War, um. That's horrible as well, because Krellian is... He seemed like such a nice guy, but I think it went downhill when he started reading the nanotechnology that um, Kim had written. I think it was Kim. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and he just started becoming obsessed with all these ideas, and then when Sophia, or Ellie, um, this incarnation of, um, dies... He just completely loses it. All of them, like Lacan as well. Actually, Lacan, Graf is probably my one of my favorite characters in this game.
0: He's really interesting, isn't he? Once you he is, realize who he is. It's really complicated as well, which is good. Like, Yeah, Graf is
1: um wise man and your dad and Lacan. And it's like, oh my god. Gotta process it all.
0: My There's dad so- is my arch nemesis and he's also me from a previous life and <laughs> mind blown yeah,
2: and he's also pretty... my mentor
0: yeah <laughs> he's kind, of, kind yeah. of on my side yeah yeah, that's...
1: yeah because Wiseman's everywhere like it's where he just randomly turns up in Shavat like you need to go and speak to the queen and then when you realize later on that it's Graf you're like he was that close that oh. close but yeah, most of the hidden identities I don't see coming. I will like apart from C-Tan, because C-Tan was shady all the way through. He knows way and... too much for his own. <laughs> I love him. I love him yeah. for being shady. I,
2: I think he's kind of a jerk.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. He's definitely a jerk. I mean, he's so obviously leading you on. Like this. I think. I think. TV Tropes or somewhere like that has actually got how many times he uses an ellipsis and it's definitely in like like triple figures, I'm sure.
0: (laughs) It's like, that's pretty it's pretty shifty, I mean But his Omnigare Mmm Oh, Fenrir Yeah the Sexiest Omnigares, although my favourite is is Crescens Crescens is beautiful
1: Crescens Mm. and El Regris
0: um, Sophia's and Ellie's, which you never get to use. Yeah, it's so bad. Why? I know. You can fight it as it in the um, in the battle arena, but that's it. You can't ever use it in actual battle, which is stupid. Yeah. So pretty. I know. <laughs> yeah, I. Crowleyan is such an an interesting villain. I think they did a really good job with him because. Your initial impression of him, once you know who he is and you learn, you keep learning what he's done to Ramses manipulating the gazel ministry, conspiring to kill Cain, he sounds like this complete jerk. But through Faye's flashbacks to his previous life, you see who he used to be and you learn why he became what he is and it's still it's not that it's forgivable necessarily but you it it helps you understand him a lot more and he's a more sympathetic villain than just oh well I want to kill everything I want to create God and blah 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 it becomes a bit more human to have to see where his motivations are coming from and Ramses uh I can't help but I mean it's annoying that he's you know until you learn why he's so fixated on Faye that he just never gives up and he keeps losing but once you once you learn why I feel bad for the guy and Miang just skyrockets into mastermind she if it, if there's any enemy who is very hard to be sympathetic for it's Miang I think
2: she's proper evil
0: yeah yeah that particular incarnation as well
1: i mean there's the slight um slip with karen when faye's mother is um miang where she just protects faye from id or the blast from his second personality or whatever that's the only time where miang is kind of uh presented as well, not even Miang, it's just the lapse of her grip on her.
2: Yeah, but isn't that Karen kind of trying to wrest control back from Miang? Or am I yeah, remembering wrong?
1: I think no, so, I yeah. think it is, yeah. But yeah, the Miang that you deal with most of the time is, yeah, she's definitely the most evil character, if we say that. That sounds quite pantomime saying it like that, but she's definitely got the um, worst motives.
2: Hmm. I find it hard to sympathize with Krillian. Uh, I think he's just kind of like <laughs> kind of like a, a, a an entitled, angry, nice guy. Um, <laughs> so um yeah, I, I think he's a bit of a crybaby, um, and I have more sympathy for Ramses than I do for him. Um maybe because Ramses doesn't go genocidal.
0: <laughs> True. Yeah.
1: I see where you're coming from, definitely. Yeah.
0: Um, what was I gonna say? Me, um, one of the things, I don't think the game necessarily spells it out, but it's heavily implied if you go to, I guess you go to the lighthouse where you can make Emeralda grow up. Um, you see the records and you see a picture of Miang standing by the Prime Minister of Zoboam. And it's heavily implied, I would think, through that, that she she had her hands on, the politics that were going on in Zeboam, and I wouldn't be surprised if she was directly responsible for the infighting that was happening that basically destroyed Zeboem.
1: Yeah, I think mm. it is implied. I think I might have read it in perfect works. She's also twins, isn't she? I think so, in yeah. The Boem. Yeah. So that That's wouldn't... kind Ooh. of crazy how that works out.
2: Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: They brush that over that little bit.
2: I mean, like, we, we see... In the very first uh, cutscene of the game, uh, when the Eldridge crashes, it seems like the only survivor is Myang uh, on the beach. And so she's kind of, she seems like this Eve figure, but she's meant to be more of like a Lilith. Like, it seems like she's the only survivor. You can see she's got her, got her fingers in pies all the way back then. So it's, it's <laughs> neat to go to all these places and see how Myang has been a mover and shaker for thousands of years.
0: Yeah, yeah, and she was mostly responsible for Lacan losing his his uh losing his his stuff. I can't say the s word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> losing <laughs> his, his mind. Yeah, like I think <laughs> she was she was the final straw that sort of sent him searching for the uh, for Zohar for the way of existence. Mm. At least that it the game seems to imply that based on the the timing, like.
2: Hmm.
0: she's the one who sort of like, tells him, if only you had more power, Sophia yeah. would still be alive. And that's that becomes his driving force, is I need to have more power, I need to have more power, and doth thou desire the power?
2: <laughs> oh, the the, the oh. graph persona is kind of amicable with Miang, whereas the other sides of a uh, car, not, not so
0: the other sides of Lacan, or?
2: Uh, aren't, aren't they kind of all the same? <laughs> Isn't, um, does, <laughs> f- am, I, am I just remembering wrong?
0: <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's oh. like, it's like Lacan's soul or his mind. Lacan's in... kind
2: of possessing him, right?
0: Yeah, car? yeah. yeah. Uh, a con. Yeah. Sorry, I, th- I thought you were talking oh, about Ramses. Oh, sorry,
2: sorry, of course, Ramses' car, con. Yeah, I meant, <laughs> I meant con. Your daddy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's um, actually it it sounds very similar to Miang and her possession but I suspect it's not quite this this I mean it's it's not the exact same process um but it 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 yeah. it, it, it you see mm-hmm. both times how it's possible for I guess the host body to temporarily wrest control and reassert itself because that's every time that we see wise man, that's pretty much what's happening is that's, that's Khan taking over and, mm. and helping. So yeah, she's just, uh... <laughs> but it is pretty interesting. Once you get to the end of the game and you have a clear picture of all these different timelines and, the players uh i remember thinking that the whole reincarnation thing with the contact and the anti-type was was a really cool uh story element gave it kind of that sort of epic feeling like they're they're fated to always meet and fall in love and the anti-type is always fated to uh, sacrifice herself to protect uh the contact and this, this cycle, this one cycle with Fan Ellie is the one cycle where they manage to finally break it and survive. And uh, uh, I remember, um, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, that part of my interest in the game, uh, weirdly enough, was because I was so heartbroken over Aeris dying in Final Fantasy VII, I wanted <laughs> a love story that had a happy ending and... Yeah. I think that might actually be a factor in why I love the game so much um, after all these years is because that was, this, this was that love story. It was a happy ending and it was really a beautiful epic love story. Once you get all the pieces put together and you know, you know, the history of the characters.
1: Yeah. It's kind it's of a very good. It's kind of a pyrrhic victory sorry.
2: of a happy ending um, since <laughs> there's not very many people left. But I mean there's a bitter there's there's like a bittersweetness to it.
1: Yeah. I would agree with that. I think um I think it's quite their relationship's quite sad and beautiful, but um I think especially where um it's kind of a play on I the Freudian ideas of the the Oedipus Complex because Ellie is supposed to be a the original Ellie with Abel, I think I can never Mm. remember the... uh, I think it was either the Zohar or whatever was in the Eldritch when um, Abel came into contact with it. Um, They wanted him to create something in an image and he chose the image of his mother. So Ellie is supposed to be what his mother looks like, apparently. That's
2: right. Mm -hmm.
1: So, in a way quite, it's an interesting idea. It, I do really, Ellie and Faye, are, I really, really like them as a couple and like by this point I like both of them as characters as well because they've developed quite a bit and they've changed quite a lot and mm. I, yeah, they're really I felt really sad when um, Faye shouted at her and was like you can't come with this and Ellie was just like, oh, like well okay, <laughs> <And> just ran <laughs> off, like I'm not doing a very good way of reacting it but um that scene that scene made me cry i was like (laughs) oh i was like really why (laughs) i don't know why it did um but they're really good
0: yeah they are really good uh so speaking of psychology um so we have we have literal psychology being thrown at the player through uh, the discussion of well they only ever they only ever mention the term it they don't they don't talk about um, the ego and the superego, but those are but represented by the other personas within Faye. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of it's cool how I how they they did that. I mean for like the whole secret explanation behind Faye's power and who this this redheaded guy with the super awesome looking, better than well tall red gear is, um, was kind of an interesting, I think, development. Especially when you learn that it's Miang possessing Karen, running all these horrible experiments that creates the uh, the disassociation in the first place.
2: Hmm.
0: <laughs> anyway, I think it's interesting. It is interesting. Oh, it's. I was trying- it's maybe a little bit too uh, nicely resolved with the, the personalities merging into one, which presumably means it is just yeah. gone. Um, well, you and- know, it's,
2: it's a very anime-style um, <laughs> approach to <laughs> yeah. mental illness.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Um, do we have any particular thoughts about the religious themes? in the game because that's another thing that people when they think about Xenogears they think oh all the religious symbolism and things like
2: that <laughs> I think a lot of it's there just to look cool and you know to crib from Evangelion a lot of it seems rather um, outside of being used uh, for aesthetics and style kind of meaningless um, but I'm okay with that I, I'm I'm all alright with a bit of um, religious symbolism even if it's uh, not in aid of anything but looking cool
1: <laughs> yeah I, li- I like my religious symbolism but a lot of it is like Robert says it's kind of just there it kind of it adds effect like, this, the, like the first thing that comes to mind is the bit where Krillian's like I'm gonna crucify you and then he just lines them up in cru- or crucifixes, and it's like you and choo choo do that yeah always Choo Choo, like, yeah. why? He did, she did nothing. That
0: that scene, for your sins. That scene is not <laughs> as serious as it could be because Choo Choo, you see Choo Choo and I, I couldn't help but smirk. Yeah.
2: Well, still, even if Choo Choo wasn't there, he's crucifying robots.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> very true. Very, very true. Um, But I, I like the concept of Deus and the computer and of the Zohar. Like, Deus is... Yes, is freaky like it's just an organism essentially computer organism thing and when it comes out of um the eldritch when you go in the first time it's kind of disgusting like it's half rotten and i'm like oh that. yeah it's quite a strange um representation of well it's only a god substitute i suppose i think the closest thing to god is possibly the wave existence but hmm. Deus is quite a nice like kind of way to represent people's kind of corrupt
0: use of God and godlike figures I guess that's how I took yeah. Deus to be well I I thought it was interesting how much the game shows you representations of religion and the god myth and things like that we have we have Balthazar very early on in the game sort of giving you a god myth which once you learn more about the world it it's, that's, that's less of a, of a story about God and more of a story about what actually happened on the planet. Um, mm. And you learn about the ethos, and they're a religious organization, but their religion is all fabricated and designed to control the people. And you learn, Krellian talks about creating God and finding God, but then you learn that this God is actually just a... Uh, gigantic uh, living weapon powered by a higher dimensional being. And it's, it it was interesting to sort of have all those religious symbols sort of broken down and show and shown for, for what they really are. And maybe I'm saying that because it kind of mirrors my own personal experience with religion and, and God and things like that. And we don't necessarily have to get into that can of worms, but I do think it's an interesting um, way to, to have religion be thrown in there. Not just to have it be token religion, but to sort of twist it a little bit.
2: Hmm. It worked on me. Yeah. yeah, it did. I don't think the game would be the same without it. I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much without no, that I... um, framing, uh, framing device.
0: They have the uh, the the Nissan cross that's so prominently used throughout the game. And I kept trying to figure out, is it multiple crosses that people have, or did this one cross make the journey from from Sophia to Lacan to Karen to Faye? i don't I don't know. It's kind that of was weird. my reading. <laughs> yeah, but I
2: suppose I, it's ambiguous, so.
0: Yeah, I think
1: so. I don't know whether, I, whether I'm whether i making it up. I don't know whether Margie ever had one. And obviously Faye has one. Because I seem to... Re- no, I think Faye gave his to Ellie, didn't he? Yeah. Or, yeah. Maybe I'm getting that mixed up. But never mind. I think I read it very similarly to you two.
0: We already kind of talked about um, the art style in our last episode. Um uh, yeah, hmm. um, I remember. I don't know if it. If I think this was partly the fact that I was playing the game on uh, Vita and the digital version, it's not 100%. Doesn't 100% run well. Uh, my anime cutscenes would always kind of skip a little bit every once in a while. Um, but I don't think that was the reason. I, I remember way back when I first played the game. The cutscenes are pretty, but the the lip sync. Was possibly the worst lip sync in, <laughs> in a video game.
2: Yeah, I, I noticed that at the time.
1: Yeah, 90s lip syncing definitely. Cena so, you know, well, is e- definitely a victim of it.
2: Even even compared to other samples of 90s lip syncing, it's like <laughs> it's completely wrong in this yeah. game.
0: Like they, <laughs> they the voice stops, but the mouth is still moving, and you're kind of like, what? Okay, are they are they like? <laughs> Are they whispering? Godzilla <laughs> yeah. dub.
2: Got Sandy Frank to do that one.
0: Yeah. Makes it maybe a little bit hard to take what's happening in a cutscene seriously because you're just kind of laughing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you don't have a huge amount of the anime cutscenes. I think I think there's a, uh, a good balance between the anime and the CGI uh, cutscenes. Mm. Yeah
1: they're good they're evenly spread out which is nice there's a lot more anime in the beginning and then as you get to the end of disc two they throw a little bit more at you so there's quite Mm. a nice period of rest where you get some cgi um cgi is pretty good
0: actually for 98
2: hmm
0: yeah i i think so i mean yeah
2: i was pretty happy not to have um a whole lot of voice acting I think (laughs) the the voice acting in the anime cutscenes is pretty bad.
0: Oh God, Uh, yeah. And
2: and that kind of thing um, would probably ruin the mood. I mean, the translation's a little bit spotty anyway. But um, in a game like this, I was happy to read text a lot of the time. Although I wish that speed was a little bit
0: faster, faster,
2: or scenes were skippable. uh, But um, I was happy with the presentation.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I never suffered that problem until, um, the, a fight, the second to last boss fight. Oh God. Really? Like, yeah. Good plot point. I don't, I watched it, I think four times over and then I had to fight Ramses, <laughs> watch another 10 minute cutscene, and then die again and then go through another 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Of oh,
0: miang. Yeah. Yeah. That
1: was rough. Yeah. That was the only For time I really it. suffered from it, but, yeah, when you have to rewatch cutscenes, imagine if you hadn't saved it after one of the hour-long cutscenes on disc two. <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah, I can imagine why some people would definitely feel like that.
2: But the you most can't even the- wander away. You just have to keep sitting there pressing X for another hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. I think I think that's if there's one lesson that we would wish that game developers would learn, but they don't always learn. But they're getting a little bit better at it. Is please have skippable cutscenes,
2: mm. please. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Especially uh, if the first half of your game's name is Zeno. <laughs> Every Zeno game should have
2: skippable, skippable yeah. cutscenes. Well, they do now.
0: Thankfully, like, do they? yeah. Yes, I think I think Takahashi funny learned his lesson. <laughs> Does. Xeno Saga not have skippable cutscenes then?
2: I don't think it does.
0: At least episode one did not. (laughs) Which I think contributed to everyone's or well some people's ire about the game being essentially a movie. Yes. Uh, Well since we were talking about hard bosses um, what are our thoughts about sort of the final Final boss rush, and I think we can include uh, uh, Ramses and Miang. The, since that's that's pretty much right before the end of the game, anyway. Um, what did we think about? Yeah, the final bosses. What did you? What was your strategy when it came to Deus? Did you take down his pillars first, or did you just rush him? <laughs> Rushed I- him.
2: <laughs> I took down the pillars, which um, was no picnic, but that sort of turns him into a cakewalk.
0: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He's he's actually kind of a cakewalk, even if you don't.
2: Oh, okay.
0: If he if is... you're equipped properly, mm. yes. I stuck some
1: speed shoes on Faye and just kind of let him get to infinity mode, and yeah, that's kind of that. I mean. The only thing you really have to do is keep. Well, I took Emeralda in and Setan, but Yay! Emeralda's health is quite low, so it was just more a case of keeping her alive, more than anything. Um, but I, yeah, I weighed up doing the pillars, but I thought I was. I panicked. I was like, because I've got to distribute my party evenly. There were there's eight people, and then you can take three into the final boss, but it's like, like you're going to have to use two people twice. Mm. Or at least one person twice if or not depending on how you do it, um, but I thought I'd try it and then maybe just suffer if not,
0: then do all four <laughs> mm-hmm. i my usual strategy is to take down the four pillars, um but this time uh i wasn't I wasn't prepared enough, I hadn't upgraded uh everyone's gears well enough, so I took down one, and then I came up against the one that heals itself, and I could not do enough damage to offset its healing. So I'm like, forget this. Um, Rush Deus got my butt whooped when he did his ultimate, um, uh, what is it, ultimate destruction or whatever, his ultimate attack, his (laughs) five-minute animation The moon one. Yeah. The one with the moon. The, The Sephiroth attack is what it is. Oh, yeah um the, and then the
2: Bahamut 0. <laughs>
0: yeah, but you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to go like get a drink or something while this animation plays. Um but then I just reequip people um and face them again. I wasn't doing enough damage, just that's why he was able to get it off. But I mean, yeah, you Xenogears is ridiculously overpowered with its 99% chance of entering. Hi- I mean, it's a guaranteed, pretty much chance. You get him up to attack level three, and then you're pretty much, you know, he's always going to enter hyper mode. And if you had avail, if it had access to Kishine, yeah. it's overpowered. So, mm-hmm. and if you put a holy pendant on Faye, so he gets double the effect, you get six turns. of infinity mode and yeah
1: (laughs) i didn't do that that's why you keep
2: that (laughs) yes
1: yeah yeah i did i still had it i just didn't
0: think about that at all but i still managed it was fine
2: yeah i (laughs) hadn't thought of that either
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's still i mean i died the first time because i wasn't prepared but once i re-equipped uh emerald was basically doing nothing but um casting ether uh, with an ether doubler and power magic, so she was doing a lot of damage. Poor Saiten, having a really awesome gear. He was actually the least productive member in that final fight. Mm. Sorry, yeah. sorry, dude. But Emeralda <laughs> is the best character overall if you if you uh, if you build her up enough. So
2: sorry. <laughs> well, he's probably the best on foot.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: He is. Although, if you do, if you. Um, if you grind emeralda she can surpass him
2: mm.
0: because yeah. she'll get uh, when she's an adult she gets guaranteed stat upgrades on every stat every time she levels up
2: mm. y- except yes, for except
0: does. for agility she won't you don't get agility although that would be amazing if she did
2: <laughs> I wish I just wish they did more with her character it feels like... There was only half of her story there.
0: Yeah, I yeah. I wish that you could make her grow up a lot earlier in the story.
2: Mm. Yeah, um,
0: she has. Gonna... I think she has the the best looking sprite in the game. Mm. <laughs> she does.
1: And I wish it wasn't optional. Like you don't have to do it. And it's yeah. like why wouldn't you? Because it's really the. I wish they would built on Zebowim a little bit more. Because even if you hadn't done that. Not only would you not know a lot about Emeralda, but you wouldn't know any much about Kim. So it's quite an important part. Yeah. Like I can see, like, because of budget restraints, I can see why it, it happened. Yeah.
2: I, I kinda like that it's um hidden in the margins as side content, but um I, I do wish it was there was more there than uh ended up being there. It uh, was as, it, as
0: it was a, a neat little sort of uh montage that they gave us. Uh, hmm. into, into yeah. Kim, not Faye, Kim and Ellie's past there and learning more about Ziboam culture and and the creation of Emeralda. It's really, I mean, when I think about their past lives, it's probably one of the, the saddest, I think, um, of their past reincarnations just because hmm. yeah. Ziboam is a really interesting... Uh, chapter on, in that planet's history, and um, I don't know if it was intentional. I kind of think it was that it it's the only part, the only civilization in the game uh, that is sort of equivalent to current technology and current mm. uh, current city structure. I mean, it basically looks like a modern city.
2: It looks uh, really cool. Yeah, it's,
0: it's those, good.
2: those ruined buildings, like the yeah. ruined skyscrapers, it's fantastic.
0: But it, like, yeah. it looks like, you know, this could potentially be Tokyo or something like that. But it was destroyed by nuclear weapons. And I always wonder whether or not that was sort of an intentional reference uh, to sort of, you know, to reference Japan's own history with nuclear weapons.
2: Hmm. I'd say you're probably dead yeah, on there. I think so. Japan was also going around the time of... Xenogears being in development, Japan was going through a renaissance of um, apocalyptic Japan uh, media uh, in the face of the great Kobe earthquake and the sarin gas attacks, uh, which really, there was a big resurgence of uh, Japan being destroyed um, in popular culture after those two events in particular. So um, you're probably right on the money about what Takahashi was intending with Ziboim.
0: Uh, So, okay, so shifting gears a little bit. um, We already sort of, in general, discussed disc two and the the sort of the shift. But um, I think it might be interesting if we, like, if there was one part on disc two and it's sort of truncated form that could be made into full gameplay, a dungeon or a story sequence, is there any particular moment that you think you'd like to see In, like, greater detail? Um, I mean, I
1: think, like, I touched the... I'd quite like to have used Regress, I think, as the main thing. So the bit where... I can't remember where it was, where they got crucified, but that bit would have been good to play as Ellie's Omni Gear. But also, I would quite like to have gone to the... um, to release the limiter myself on the like to disperse the nano machines to remove everyone's limiters. So just after when F- I like Faye is fighting uh, Ramses for the first time on disc two, Ellie and Emeralda go off. I quite would have quite liked to have done that. Then hmm. what happened there? Because it's kind of just a brush off, like oh everyone's got limiters. We're just gonna take them off and oh. I'd quite like to know how um, that happens and why and what. Like, what happens? Because, again, it would have helped with Emeralda. Yeah. It would have given her some more
0: screen time. She um, she really needed some character interaction with Ellie. She Yeah. I, I always was confused by the fact that she immediately recognizes Faye as Kim, but she doesn't seem to recognize Ellie as her mother, despite the yeah. fact that they both look I mean, they're both wearing different clothes than in Zeboam, but I, yeah, I, don't, I I always find that weird. And it would have been kind of nice if that dungeon could have, they could have had a few character moments and would have bonded a little bit as uh, a as pseudo mother and daughter. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, yeah, I think... It would have been cool to play as Regers. I think they were planning to have basically everyone have an omni gear, and that was one of the things that got cut. You see, in Perfect Works, there were plans for yes. an L Crescent and an L Siebzen, and that never happened. Oh, um, yeah. And that would have been cool to have uh, everyone get an omni gear. Um, some of the some of the the more dramatic sequences, like um, the 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 part where Ramses tax Nissan, um, would have probably had a little bit more effect if they could have been actually animated. Um, but on the other hand, I find sometimes that the monologuing actually helped the pace a little bit. The game is already super yeah. long. I think I was close to 60 hours at the end of disc one. Hmm. So, I Blimey. mean... To have all of those dungeons, and there's there are big chunks of the game where the story is we went around the world destroying all the soil and systems, or we searched around the world for, <laughs> uh, for information about uh, the Zohar or whatever, or Bart magically found these ancient records that explained that Ugh, the uh, that. <laughs> that was okay. Yeah, um, do, let's talk about the the fight. I found them
2: on the ground.
0: <laughs> yeah Yeah. but I mean when you think about it it would have been a little bit hard to to explain that and have that all happen without it being a massive increase in in playtime and gameplay yeah. and what I mean like how many silent systems are there would we have to go to like four or five of them to destroy them and what would be the process of finding these mystical records and let's Let's just talk about the stupidity of the Yggdrasil 4 and the magical <laughs> transforming. First, first, it's like a tail on the back of the gear, and then the Yggdrasil becomes the, the Mega Gear's gun, and you... F- I mean, like... Hmm. I can't imagine that's safe for anybody that's actually in the Yggdrasil at the time. <laughs>
1: Definitely not.
0: Because, <laughs> cause yeah. I mean... That I think, and the uh, the elements, uh, magical gear transformation that was clearly Power uh, a, a Power Rangers <laughs> reference had to be.
2: Hmm.
0: Or um, what was the other mech? Uh, was, Voltron.
2: Voltron, yeah.
0: Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those were very amusing moments.
1: <laughs> I think... I just thought of it, actually. I think I'd have liked to have seen a bit more of what happened to Hammer between yes, Solaris and the Anima Relic Dungeon, the second one.
2: Yeah, because like, he just jumps on you. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's just, like, gone from sneaky little... I love Hammer. Sneaky little person to, like, oh, I'm going to shoot you all because power. And, like, Graf, do you have to interfere? And whoever else and but i would have liked to have seen how and why and what but oh hammer
2: yeah the hammer thing wasn't quite um that felt like it came out of left field
1: yeah yeah i had to draw i had um trouble feeling sad i felt sad for him but i had trouble really investing in the, his death because it just came so out of the
0: blue well, I felt
2: annoyed. I was like, What are you doing?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why? Like, he just he kind of the story forgets about him once um once the Goliath is shot down. He I mean, he's he's on the Yggdrasil. you can talk to him, but yeah. he doesn't show up in any cutscenes. Rico also really gets uh uh ignored after you leave Kislev. It's kind of unfortunate that they had a few characters that just they couldn't <sighs> do a lot with um and they had some really really interesting stories to tell yeah
2: jesse all but disappears after you're done in shavat yeah (laughs) he's he makes quite an entrance when he um when his uh him and billy's uh arc begins so just seeing him just kind of disappear uh, without any fanfare i found pretty disappointing
1: yeah yeah, he just appears in Solaris. That's the last time you see him, I think, isn't it? Yeah. When yeah. Yoyu, Seatan goes back with his sword and then starts using mm. it, and Jesse's there. And it's. I liked. I think Jesse would have been more interesting if we'd carried on seeing him. But again, they do that a lot. And Maria's another character they just sort of sideline as well yeah. for a bit. Like, she's just like. She pops up in Shavat. She's useful to get you to Solaris. That's about it
0: well she is well actually no i take that back choo-choo is also equally useless but
2: <laughs> well, choo-choo's the joke character <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah
2: uh, I, I was happy to see the back of maria because she's just um <laughs> having to use her in the shivat dungeon oh,
0: just, oh
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was just a nightmare that,
0: that was stupid and her like her sprite animations just also kind of like what are you what are you doing
2: She's, she does, like, this Three Stooges-style wind-up punch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> She's so slow as well. Oh. But Siebzen is pretty good. Mm. Yeah, Siebzen can win you single-handedly battles uh, shortly after you get it because it has such a good engine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, that had to have been also another thing that they had to sacrifice with the budget. They couldn't really integrate all of the characters the way they wanted to. Um,
2: mm.
0: I mean, it's. It, I'm glad for what we could see from them. Um, I do think it's interesting that they all seem to have a tragic element to their backstories. Um, Saiten, I don't really... There's not really a whole lot that's tragic about his story. So he's the the odd liar out but well,
2: he's more he's still he's got his hidden depths in being like a bit of a puppet master yeah
0: yeah and he does eventually make the right choice in giving the finger to to solaris and and mm. joining your team full-time um i don't i know he gets much more powerful with the sword i hate his sword sprite <laughs> On foot, i hate it yeah it looks <laughs> like his face looks so dark and it's weird i know yeah, yeah. Actually,
1: it would have been good to see more of um, Yui and um, his daughter, Midori. Yes, Midori, Um, because she's psychic or she can speak. She doesn't need to vocally speak. Say she's telekinetic. That's what I'm thinking of. And they don't really, they just literally, again, drop it out of the blue, maybe once or twice. Yui just completely disappears in Disc 2. She appears in Solaris, and you just go Mm. up to her, and she's like, Oh, hi, Faye. And it's like, hang on a minute. How about some cookies? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. It's like, I left you in the heart with the rest of Laham, the people. It's like, yeah, and then she just disappears after giving him Seatown his sword, and it's like, oh. I'd like to see that a little bit more. There's got to be something there. Again, perfect words. To touch on that a little bit more. Apparently, she's a pretty badass swordswoman. So yes, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: I'd like to have seen that. Yeah, it's kind of surprising they show us so many other backstories of the characters, but they don't really ever show Saiten's backstory. They they tell us about it a little bit, but mm. they don't give us any flashbacks. And that. That would have been really cool to see that transition in him, even though he still ends up being a spy for, for the emperor. And the, the emperor is, I don't know how I feel about him. He's the, he, on the one hand, he's the, not the true ruler, but he's the sort of the um, the British queen, I guess, of Solaris. <laughs> um, yeah figurehead, but he's still involved and can control the ministry and on the one hand, if he's aware of what Krellian is doing, or if he's aware of the the what Solaris does in general and he lets it go, it's kind of like ugh But on the other hand, he does seem to sympathize with humans and tries to to prevent the Gazel ministry from unlocking uh the key and I it's an interesting I think uh, feel for this character who should be you know he's the he's the leader or one of the leaders of the main antagonist you should you know not like him but he usually feels a bit more like he's not all that bad and it's like when Ramses is manipulating to killing him I'm like oh now why'd you do that yeah (laughs) yeah
2: He's a funny one, Um, you know, showing up all early, having ominous conversations with his skull face uh, and then, yeah, you know, betraying the gazelle ministry who definitely don't have humanity's best interests at heart um, and showing that, well, he's not that bad a guy after all, despite his evil, evil face.
0: Creepy, creepy (laughs) face.
2: Yeah.
0: Like he's, they say he's had life extension treatments, but I'm like, uh, there's like no skin. It looks like it's bone. Well, you, is you a mask?
2: You, you see a face when Ramses kills him. He smashes the skull mask and there's a very withered old man underneath.
0: Yeah. It's kind of creepy though when you think this is the... This is the cane from like almost 10,000 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, Zephyr's looking pretty good for being 500 years old, but...
2: Um,
0: <laughs> but, I mean, oh wow, cane...
2: K needs to get him some of that cocoa butter.
0: <laughs> I think he needs to draw a bath in it. He needs to <laughs> bathe in it. So um, we kind of saved talking about music, I think, for this episode because we want to sort of have the the full experience. Um, what did we all think about the music in Zen of Gears?
2: Infiltration is one of my favorite songs in the game ever.
0: <laughs> I love that. It's So
2: jazzy. It's
1: so funky. So oh, j- jazzy
2: and seedy, and that's that's what I like.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: But um, that is a, the whole soundtrack is pretty fantastic.
1: Yeah, I I tried to listen to it a while ago, maybe a couple of years ago. Um, I think I struggled to, um. I think I struggled to enjoy it because I didn't understand the game. So when I played through Xenogears, I found myself very quickly really, like, understanding. They, all the music feels really important and really relevant. So I think Bonds of Sea and Flame are probably my favorite track. And then possibly, um, there's some really bizarre tracks as well. I was just thinking about the Solaris theme. Like, you <laughs> yes. Think, evil empire and it's just like i'm in a circus really Mm. (laughs) um but yeah bonds of sea and flame and um i like shivat's theme as well they're very mitsuda but also there's good variation as well i think i think i would probably say it's mitsuda's best work maybe i mean like mitsuda does a lot of good work so Mm. i'm a little biased maybe
2: probably my favorite of his yeah Um, and I'd also like to highly recommend uh, the arranged soundtrack Creed yes it's so good Yes. that is a fantastic disc
0: yes I know there are some versions uh, some renditions of tracks uh, on Creed that I actually like more than the original Um, I forget what it's called off the top of my head but the arrangement of um I guess the organ theme that you see uh, the Kaiser playing and and K- Kislev and the um, oh yeah the music that oh. plays when you're in the cathedral in Nissan uh, the version of that on Create oh. is really beautiful. Um, so good. I love the uh, the sort of the, the the chunk of it where the beat comes in and it's got a little bit of a Celtic vibe to it. Mm. So yeah. I mean the entire the entire album has a Celtic vibe to it, um, mm. but yeah, Mitsuda likes Celtic vibes. It's quite an interesting
1: choice for Xenogears. It's quite nice. I mean, um, the uh, Stars of Tears. I think that's really a shame that they didn't use it because it's a really good song. I might have got them the wrong way around. Like the one that's on the soundtrack, but no, they yeah, didn't that's... include it. Yeah, yeah. because the, the, um, it would make the beginning like 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> But it's only like a three-minute song. I'm like, the, the opening is only like five minutes or something like that. But it's a nice, interesting choice for a RPG that's uh, mech and kind of religion-based, and I like it. But I think there's a quirk of Mitsuda that I like. Like mm. Celtic and bells, I tend to think.
0: <laughs> yeah, when I think of Mitsuda, I think Celtic, or I think he's usually at his best when he's doing something Celtic-themed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I always struggle with the soundtrack. I love it so much, but there are times when I feel like, uh, I kind of got to give it to Chrono Cross a little bit, even though <sighs> Chrono Cross isn't as, as, as good of a game as Xenogears, I don't think. But there's sometimes when I think that he did a better job with the score there, but then I can't really fight the nostalgia and the just <laughs> uh, the, the the love that I have for so many of the themes in Xenogears, um, including the the uh, the ending uh, uh, theme song that plays during the credits, um, small two of pieces. It's just yeah. that is uh, that was like the first time I think I had remembered playing a game where there was a a, a song playing during the credits, like like you would normally maybe have in a movie or something and I remember thinking wow games really are kind of getting <laughs> approaching that that movie experience because now we have songs in our in our ending credits um but it's Is still it a like a whole
2: year before Fei Wong wowed us with uh, Eyes on Me <laughs>
0: um yeah but that's and it's still my favorite I think uh ending or just any song um in a video game I don't think that he, he tried to sort of emulate that sound for the, for the music, for the songs, uh, in, in Zenosaga episode one, um, didn't quite have that same, uh, feel to it. I don't know if it was just that the composition wasn't there or if my emotional attachment wasn't there. I was, I mean, having that, that ending play at the end of the game after Faye rescues Ellie and returns to everyone, uh, was a really um, an emotional high, so that might be a factor.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I can see that.
0: Mm-hmm. But there's just, there's so many, so many good themes. And bon- I agree, Bonds of Sea and Fire is really high up there, if not like my f- my favorite like uh, in-game piece. I love every time it plays, I really missed it in, in disc two. It didn't play very much there because there wasn't yeah. a whole lot to do with Bart. Um, but such a beautiful theme. And Emeralds. Um, Character theme is hauntingly beautiful and yeah. mm. a great representation of both her as a character and Zaboom and their sad fate. And another track on Create that is uh, very excellent is uh, is the arrangement of
2: June Mermaid. Yeah, yeah that's real good.
0: My favorite, yeah.
2: Uh, I also I, I gotta say I really like how the game used um, a lot of absence of music. Um, I found it to be very um, immersive Uh, when you were trekking through long dungeons that just had, you know, the sound of water dripping or some wildlife. Um, Not many games at the time did that, especially not many Japanese RPGs. So that, um, it gave a very different feel, a very sort of isolated and uh, lonely and quite creepy feel to to a lot of the games uh, adventuring.
1: Yeah, I think the final dungeon split between that, when you're in the pipes is the only word I can think of, and then when you're out on the stupid spinning puzzle.
0: <laughs> Aye. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, um, Omen plays. Omen is probably one of my favorites as well. Uh, but I do really like the, uh, like you say, the sewers is the first thing that comes to mind with the no music. We just have yeah. the dripping and it's really good. It's like you like there's not many RPGs then that did it. There's not many that do it now, really. I don't think.
2: Yeah, not really.
0: No, especially JRPGs. I mean,
1: yeah,
2: I, I guess just like the Souls games.
0: Yeah. But
1: atmosphere. that's a very
2: different, very different thing.
0: No, it's still for atmosphere though, and it's still mm. it works very well in the Souls games. Yeah, you wouldn't really see a Final Fantasy game giving you. A, uh, an area with no music. Mm. I mean, not, uh-huh. not usually. I think there are maybe a few points in like seven or, or eight where there's no music. But I mean, like every area, every dungeon has music.
2: Mm. Yeah. They tried to repeat this in some of the Xena titles and it didn't work, in my opinion, uh, because they, if I'm remembering correctly, they didn't have the ambient sound that... Um, worked so well uh, in Xena Gears. It was just um, flat out silence in some dungeons in Xenosaga 2. And I think maybe three as well.
0: I don't remember those games no. well enough.
2: Uh, yeah, I remember it, it similarly used silence, but it just they didn't do it in the same way. And so it just seemed odd other than oppressive.
0: What did we think though about like I think the one weak thing about Zeno Gears is um its battles or its main battle theme sorry
2: Mitsuda. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: um I I don't like it. Um I don't even really like the boss music that much. But no. Um,
1: yeah, it doesn't play frequently enough to find associate it as boss music. I think I like the I what i associate as the main gear battle theme i know you tend to get the normal battle theme but i tend to think of um steel giant yeah that i really like that the main battle theme it's very short and just kind of loops and when you've got such a high encounter rate as well it's just kind of like this one again but crimson knight
2: (laughs) yeah Oh. I, that's like the worst way to start a battle. That's up there with um, the beginning of Nino Kuni's battle music, of um, like a bit of an annoying jingle, to me. Anyway, <laughs>
1: oh,
2: I and mean, yeah. that might be a controversial, controversial opinion. But
1: oh no, I see where you're
0: coming from. <laughs> At least the final. Well, actually, no. Both final boss music. I was, I was gonna. Uh, ask what we thought about the actual, real final boss music, but Awakening, the semi-final boss music, is is, uh, is good. I mean, compared to the normal battle and normal boss battle, I think it's actually a really good track. Yeah. yeah fantastic, both of them. And then uh, the theme that plays when you're fighting the actual final boss, one who bears fangs at God, is... I. I am thinking that's a, such an interesting choice for both a final boss and for final boss music. It's it's uh, subdued. It's I mean, um, Arubulus is not by any means a hard uh, fight at all. She, uh, she's very much <laughs> by that point a pushover. I, I went into infinity mode and killed her before I finished infinity mode. So, um, yeah. Compared to mm. Deus, who can be a little tricky if you don't kill all of his pillars. Um, but the the music there is just, it's it's really different from a lot of the rest of the game's music. And it kind of ties in with the, um, the vocal, the choral piece that plays during the last cutscene. Mm. Yeah. I remember thinking that was a really interesting choice to have
1: it's very similar to, I've just remembered another Mitsuda soundtrack that I really like. I know it's a collaboration one. Um, The first Shadow Hearts game. Mm. It's very similar to that.
2: Right on. Yeah, it is.
1: Yeah. It's really good. That's got some, that the final boss theme for Shadow Hearts is great. Like, yeah, Mm. very similar in that sense with the vocals and the bells and the kind of repetitive, not ticking, but there's a very steady rhythm to it. And it's, I really like the final boss theme to this game. That's a good it,
2: comparison.
0: It ends on a very high note, I think, which I think is a good apt description of the game itself. That it kind of it stumbles the best here, best, or the there, there are some, there are some quibbles, but ultimately it starts good. It starts strong and it ends strong. I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that.
0: I was. Well, I think we're kind of naturally wrapping up, um, Robert. You and I—we've uh, already played it. Mm. How? How was the experience overall, and the end, the, the ending, getting through the end of the game? How was that, you know, compared to earlier playthroughs or your first playthrough or whatnot?
2: Uh, it was just as powerful for me. Um, I don't know if it's just the nostalgia value speaking, but um, you know, there's, there's plenty of older RPGs that I held in high esteem uh, that I've returned to and haven't had quite the same effect on me. But um, there's obviously something about Xenogears that still does it for me today. Um, and that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm so happy that I got the opportunity to play it again and discuss it with both of you. Um, and I'm a little bit melancholy that we won't see anything like it again. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see Takahashi do, uh, a similar kind of story. Um, that's not to say that I don't love what he's doing now because I really do. Uh, but Xenogers is just such a weird outlier it was weird then. And it's weird now. Um, and it's very special.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's basically my thoughts as well. Um, I think in some respects, maybe I, I had a little bit less patience for a few elements of the game because I've either because of either time or because I've I've uh, matured as a gamer. Um, I remember I actually I don't like Fay for the, a good chunk of the first disc. Um, I don't remember being annoyed with him when I first played the game, but
2: yeah, I had less patience for him now than I did then. Yeah.
0: But overall, there were so many moments of, uh, I, I, oh, I, I remember this scene, this is a good scene, and it ends up being just as good as I remember it. And even though I'm familiar with the story, actually getting to play through it again and get all the story beats and, you know, little minor things that I had forgotten about over the years and having those come back at me and it was a really powerful experience and getting, getting the big picture of the game at the end and the resolution of that big picture was still I think just as powerful an experience as it was the first time I played and that's probably why this game has stuck with me all these years despite how it has aged or not really aged that well over time um why this is still probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite JRPG, despite being a PS1 title, and in the, in the face of beautiful Final Fantasy XV, Persona 5, PS4 games. So, I mean, I can't say enough. There are two good games things. that aren't
2: out yet. <laughs> I know, right?
0: But they, but they look pretty. <laughs> we know they look gorgeous. So, Sen Gears can't compete in that respect, but. In a lot of ways, I think I still have yet to find an RPG that matches Xenogears in terms of the depth of its story, the the number of layers uh, that are present, and the work that it must have taken to develop all of those characters and all of their the, all the plot threads and all of the connections and the idea of the story taking place over such a long period of time with multiple generations. Um, it's probably a reason why I liked Xenoblade so much, because that was uh, one of the first Games in recent memory that I felt did a good job of creating a deep story uh, that sort of you know blossomed as you as you progressed through and you learned all of these secrets and the hidden truths behind the world. I'm rambling, but yes, I love Xenogears. Playing it again has only really just reinforced my love of Xenogears, and I. I will play it again. I know, especially now that I have it uh, in a portable format on my Vita, it's going to be kind of hard not to play it again.
2: I'll tell you one thing, though. Um, I'm glad that I got to play this again start to finish, but if we weren't playing this for a podcast, I probably would have given up at the Tower of Babel, because what (laughs) is that? What are you doing? (laughs) That was just horrible. That's like the game giving you a big middle finger.
0: Uh, And Alana, we've already, I mean... We've already gone over <laughs> this Is This is your first time playing, but I mean, like, any final thoughts uh, about the game from a first-time uh, player's perspective?
1: Um, I think coming to it now, uh, there's a lot of things that I notice in that now you don't get, like you both have addressed, I'd say like the story is the main reason I would ever come back to this. I think I think I can quite safely say that Xenogears may well be one of my favorite games. Probably oh, one nice. of the best one of the best I've played in the... Definitely one of the best I've ever played because I just think the story is so good and something I miss from a lot of newer RPGs. Like I don't really have a game in... Like consider a favourite from the last five years because they don't really dive deep enough into the story or there's something I don't like or there's some quirk that I don't like about them but Xenogears is like it is a bit of a mess like technically it's like dungeons that are platforming, it's glitchy, the graphics (laughs) are slightly muddy and everything but I can feel I can sense there's a lot of work and effort and heart gone into it and I was emotionally gripped from the beginning, so it wasn't difficult to get through for me just because I needed to... It wasn't a want, kind of. It was a need to know what happened. So I very, very, very quickly, as I have said numerous times, and I think maybe the entire internet might be a little bit fed up, (laughs) I've kind of fallen in love with Xenogears, like headfirst and would... I'm going to leave it a couple of years and if I go back to it in a couple of years and have the same reaction that both of you have had with it, then I think I would be satisfied with it. I mean, I don't think I'll remember absolutely everything, so I think re-experiencing it will remind me, like, not remind me, but will definitely um, solidify that it will be one of my favourites, but for now, definitely one of the best games I've experienced the best game I've experienced for a long time, probably one of my favorite games I've ever played, and that's quite strange to say quite quickly after I finished it. But it's just, it just clicked, and that just happens sometimes.
0: That's
2: you, so lovely to hear.
0: Yeah, you can say that as many times as you want. I don't. I will fight anybody who's like, <laughs> like come on, no. Uh, I, it was, I was so happy when you while you were playing the game seeing you tweet about it to get that first time perspective i'm mean, like and, and as a huge Zeno fan i welcome you to the cult of zeno very That's much fun. you're you are very welcome we have jackets somewhere <laughs> uh, i have to dig them up but yes okay Good. so well, welcome well. welcome Yay. and to anyone who may have been listening uh, or might be listening who has never played the game and maybe was Convinced by all of our our praise to play it, enjoy longtime fans who know exactly what we're talking about when we say this game is awesome despite its quirks. Uh, Maybe you've been playing it again as well and have fallen in love with it all over again. Um, But I think... For us here at Retro Encounter, we've kind of reached the end of our discussion of Gears. Of course, the discussion is always continuing with a game like this. Um, so many layers, so many things to say. But I think if we keep talking, this show will go on for another 10,000 years and multiple <laughs> reincarnations of show hosts and guests. And, I mean, who really wants that, really? So we're going to call it... Dost thou
2: want the podcast?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Caitlin's probably
1: just a. Uh, uh, well, Josh is probably like possessing Caitlin, so yes. We
0: don't know. Well, maybe I don't know. Or the other way around, maybe.
2: Josh is still in his house in Lahan. In Lahan. <laughs> oh,
0: that's true. <laughs> that's probably yes, yes, So maybe he'll be playing the game as he listens to this podcast. Maybe <laughs> or probably he'll be playing our next game. Retro Encounter is going to be checking out, which is going to be South Park Stick of Truth. Uh, that will be our the, the game that we're playing in July that you'll hear about in August, if I'm not mistaken, yes?
1: I believe so. I, I
0: believe that's the way, because we're t- We're talking about, we played Years in June, but you won't be listening to it in July. So the G, the next game for Retro Encounter, whenever we play it, is South Park Stick of Truth. Um, as always, uh, feel free to shoot us emails at retro at rpgfan.com comments, suggestions, if you just want to gab and freak out about Xenogears, please by all means, send those emails to Josh. He'll read them and, (laughs) you know, yes.
1: (laughs) His direct email address.
0: Yes. Um, You can also, of course, comment on the boards. We have uh, a thread that's for Retro Encounter. Any thoughts? Uh, If you want to share your own experiences with the games that we're playing, we'd love to hear that. That's kind of the whole spirit of the show. Um, and as always, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast to help our show uh, reach more people because who doesn't want to talk about old, not always retro, but still classic RPGs? I think everyone, I think everyone wants to talk about good classic RPGs. And that, I think, will do it for this episode of Retro Encounter. So for me, for Alana, and for Robert, thank you so much for tuning in. And please check back for our next episode. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.